Hi and welcome to Cyber Reason's Malicious Life. I'm Ran Levy. In the past few months, we covered in our B-Side episodes a number of cybersecurity conferences, ThoughtCon, B-Sides, and DEFCON. I think it's interesting to talk about conferences and explore the ideas behind them, not only because they play such an important role in shaping and disseminating ideas and bringing people together, but also because each conference represents a different facet of the cybersecurity community. For example, the B-Sides conference emphasizes openness and grassroots work. ThoughtCon is all about hackers. DEFCON has its competitiveness. Black Hat is more commercial in nature. Each conference is like a window into a different room in that big house we call the cybersecurity industry. If DerbyCon, the focus of this episode, was a room in that big house, it would probably be the living room, because as Dave Kennedy, our guest today, puts it, Debicon is all about making the community a family. Debicon was founded in 2011 by Dave, Martin Boss, Alex Kay, and Adrian Crenshaw, and it was never about the money. In fact, as you'll hear from Dave shortly, none of them ever made any money off the event. Another thing that makes Debicon unique among the conferences we already covered in our podcast is that it is the only one of them which is no longer active. As you'll hear shortly, the reason why it is no longer active has a lot to do with Debicon's emphasis on familiarity and community, and not necessarily in a good way. Dave Kennedy is one of the key figures in cybersecurity today. He's known as a world-class expert on social engineering and created the Social Engineering Toolkit, which is used by many organizations to evaluate and improve their security posture in that aspect. Dave already appeared on our podcast before, but in this interview, however, we'll discover a few somewhat unknown sides of Dave's personality. Like, why is he afraid of clowns? And why he'll never again listen to an album by the rapper Busta Rhymes. Dave talked to our producer, Eliad Kimchi. As I often do, I'll pop up here and there during the interview to fill in some needed context. Enjoy the interview. So today we have with us Dave Kennedy, also known as Hacking Dave. Dave is the founder of DerbyCon, uh, which is one of the most fun conferences that I've been to and uh, started in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, yeah, you got to it Louisville. It's got, you you got to have like... You, know, <laughs> you got to say it. Yeah, you got to say it right. You got to say it. Sorry, sorry. Louisville. Louisville. So yeah, <laughs> it started in Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky. Um, one of the best conferences I've had the privilege of, of, of going to. And today we want to talk about a little bit about the history of that con, how it ended up in Louisville, and what made it so special. For those who don't know you, would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Yeah, my name is Dave Kennedy. I'm the founder and CEO of Trusted Tech and Binary Defense. Uh, you know, we're a global company um, focusing on 
everything from consulting to, you know, managed security services. Um, so we've been, been in the industry for over 20 years, uh, was everything from a chief security officer for a Fortune 1000 company to working in the military intelligence side of the house uh, for cyber warfare. Um, on the news quite frequently, um, co-authored the book Metasploit, the Penetration Testers Guide, and one of the co-founders of DerbyCon. So I look forward to chatting today about uh, a little bit of the history and uh, a little bit of the fun that we had uh, back then. Yeah, so I mean, I, I have, I've had the privilege of talking to a couple of uh, conference founders, and I always have this one question in my head for for everybody. Why start a conference? You know, um, when, I, when I first started in the security industry, um, Back in 2000 or so, um, you know, DEF CON was just uh, just kind of starting and happening. There's been a few of them, obviously, but it was a real small type of event um, at Alexis Park in Vegas. And I remember I had flown out there uh, to Vegas to go see it because I was in the military intelligence cybersecurity side of the house. So they, you know, flew me out to DEF CON to check it out and, and to, you know, potentially learn some stuff. And, um, and what I found then was it was such a... a new industry, right? You know, there really wasn't an information security industry yet fully, fully born or, or breath yet. And when you went to this, this, this place in the middle of Las Vegas, um, you saw this, this amazing spark, this collaboration of a lot of brilliant individuals um, sharing their research and, and, you know, showing what they could do and really, you know, starting off what, you know, we consider the information security industry today. And I remember seeing folks like, you know, the Smoo Group and CDC and Cult Dead Cows and, you know, Phil Zimmerman and Fidor and, and all those different, you know, just amazing folks that that really kind of kickstarted the security industry. And obviously Jeff Moss and the Dark Tangent, all, you know, heroes of mine kind of coming through this this industry of just people that, you know, I really admired. Um, and they were all approachable. You could go to them, you could talk to them, you know, really just cool individuals just in general. And, you know, as the security industry kind of grew, you know, DEF CON blew up and became a massive event. Um, you know, when you build something amazing, uh, people want to go to it. And, and you know, DEF CON was, was definitely one of those success stories of, listen, you build it and they will come, uh, you know, to, to reference Wayne's World. And, you know, one thing that I missed about DEF CON was that, that intimacy that you had with individuals, being able to talk to anybody, you know, the no rock star type of mentality. Everybody's kind of on the same level, peer, you know, group, regardless if you're in security you know, one month or six months or, you know, two years or 10 years, whatever it ends up being, you know, th there was no barriers, you know, I felt there, I felt like I could go up to anybody and talk to them. And I was, you know, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, I'm actually not from Louisville. Um, and uh, one of my friends, uh, Adrian Crenshaw, uh, reached out to me and was like, hey, Dave, you know, can you, you know, come speak at this Metasploit class in Louisville? You know, Metasploit, exploit development, things like that, would you be interested in coming and talk? And I said, dude, for sure, that sounds, sounds awesome. Let's do it. You know, Adrian uh, had me out and we went and, and I gave a, a presentation. What was I gave a few presentations and so did Martin Boss and a few other folks um, that ended up being some of the initial founders of, of DerbyCon. And what we found there was it was such a, a tight knit community of people that wanted to learn, you know, and that were, you know, again, that that barrier level was down. It, it reminded me very much of the early days of DEF CON. And so a few of us went to a pizza shop afterwards and, you know, I'm sitting there talking to everybody. I'm like, man, this would be a perfect place to throw a conference. Because if you look at downtown Louisville area, you know, it, it's all kind of self-contained. You don't need a car to go anywhere. You can walk out and you're on 4th Street Live. There's a bunch of bars. There's a bunch of food. You know, everything you could possibly need to sustain kind of like this small ecosystem. And it wasn't overly crowded, even on the weekends in, in, in Kentucky. You know, it wasn't like a crazy city that you're going into. And I was like, man, we should really just throw a conference here. 
you know, to really go back to the roots of, of sharing and collaboration information and, and removing those barriers of, of, you know, the, 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 the rockstar mentality and all this other stuff and really just be a family type conference where everybody's welcome. Everybody's accepted, uh, regardless if you're for just the in for a year, you, you know, you're shy, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're apprehensive of, of going into groups like make let's remove those barriers and let's, let's teach security to the next generation of folks and to, to folks that are already, you know, in the industry. And so, you know, we kind of went home and it was, you know, a few of us, you know, so it was Adrian, um, Martin, myself, and a, a guy named Alex Ka that, you know, really kind of started going through the cycles around, you know, what do we need to do to kind of build something like this out? Um, and I remember uh, talking to my wife and we were going through some of the costing numbers. If we didn't get 500 people for DerbyCon 1, uh, I would have had to have to, I would have to uh, take out a second mortgage in my house. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was a very risky you know, situation, but it was one that I believed in. It was one that the whole group believed in. So we, we executed on it. My wife, obviously, um, Aaron believed in it as well. And one thing I say is like, Aaron was the, the, the planning master every year behind Thurbycon. She was the, the staple that kept us all grounded and managed the entire process for us. She's an amazing organizer. So she was really the, the brains behind, um, all of the organization Thurbycon. And it was really cool because like each one of us had our own specialties, like Adrian from a video recording perspective and, the, and, you know, making sure that we had, the individuals recorded, you know, from a streaming perspective, we had uh, Martin who had, you know, really worked with bands before in the past and had, you know, knew how to set up big shows and those types of things. We needed 500 people. We ended up getting 1100 the first year um, over double of what we expected to get. And luckily I didn't have to take a second mortgage in my house. And then from there, it just kind of grew exponentially um, year after year. Cause we threw just one heck of a con. It sounds like you put a lot of yourself into it. And, and the theme of family is something that comes up. I mean, uh, literally in the name, uh, Defcon, uh, sorry, uh, DerbyCon 3 uh, was fa fa all in the family, right? And then family matters is all, the, all these things. And, and you're a family man yourself. Yeah. And it, uh, is it something, is it a part of you that you're kind of putting into the con? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at conferences, you know, The, the conference is made up of, of people, right? And those people are, and if you look at a lot of like things around tribes and, you know, the, you know, Marcus Carey's tribe of hackers and things to that effect, you know, we all have our kind of different tribes that we attest to based on our levels of experience and friends that we have and everything else. For me, you know, the, the family feel of Derby kind of was the most important, you know, and, and I think that comes from, you know, the leadership team that we had down to the conference itself of making sure everybody feels welcome. You know, we were out there, you know, scanning the barcodes and giving people hugs and, you know, welcoming them to the family, you know, and, and, and saying, you know, Hey, you know, everybody's welcome here. You know, this is just a, a place for you to learn, to expand your knowledge, you know, and, and we have so many countless examples of where DerbyCon changed people's lives, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, not just from the charity aspects. We, We were still to this day, you know, the, the, the biggest charity conference that, that in, in information security from a donation perspective of any other conference that's out there, including, you know, DEF CON and those ones that are massively large. You know, we were, you know, you know sending tens and 50, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity organizations um, to, to make things better. But on top of that, you know, we kicked off people's careers, um, you know, got them motivated. First time speaking at Derby Con. We had so many first time speakers. It was incredible. Um, the diversity aspects of things, you know, you look at Derby Con 1 versus, you know, uh, you know, our final Derby Con, you know, you had more women in there, more people of color, you know, all these different amazing things that started to happen um, where, you know, again, everybody felt welcome to come into um, this conference because we are accepting of, of anybody and everybody. 
you know, I had my kids there, uh, you know, they, they'll, especially for the last year, they got to see uh, Michael Carbonaro. My daughter got to go on stage and, you know, a uh, magician. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was definitely all about family and I made some amazing friends there and I got to see my friends, you know, and just to get to hang out with them. It's just, you know, and meet new people was just an amazing experience. Did you find that the, uh, the different atmosphere, the family atmosphere made a difference to people? Did it feel like a different type of conference? How, how did it kind of yeah. change people's, uh, experience? Well, here, here's, here's the difference between, I think, a conference and then what we were doing at DerbyCon, right? Um, a conference, you know, you go to talks and you listen to those talks and you learn. And that's a great thing. And there's some amazing talks that we had. But it was the community effort and being, you know, coming together as friends, as family, as, you know, a group of people that may have differences or differences of opinions, but we all are working together for one goal because we're very passionate about that. You know, you could definitely see the the level in, in smaller sized, you know, conferences. You look at B-sides, for example, you know, you go to mm-hmm. a lot of B-sides, um, and you'll see a lot of that 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 same type of vibe, right? Because the conferences are small. But when you start to get to those large conferences, it becomes very difficult to kind of emulate that. And you know, I think we were able to scale that and, and, and keep it going. And it was just it was just really awesome to see people smiling and laughing. And you know, that's the biggest thing I miss, honestly, to, to be perfectly honest with you, is you know seeing people's lives changed um, or to experience some sense of joy or happiness. Um, that was by far the most rewarding aspect of doing DerbyCon. Well, it really clicked with people. I mean, there was one year you sold out before you even had the tickets. Oh, I can't live. believe you brought, brought that up. Oh, I, I still get I still get crap for that one. I, that was an accident. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, I, I decided one year, you know, or one year I, I made a joke like, you know, oh, our tickets are going to be on sale, let's just say at noon. And I opened them up at like 11.15 or something like that. And of course, they didn't sell out, but everybody started purchasing them early and it became this running joke. You know, so a lot of most folks on social media knew that every year I opened it up somewhat early and it was just a random time to get your tickets. Cause the folks that really wanted tickets, they'd be there at like 11 o'clock, just F fiving the hell out of my server. And my server would be like, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so I opened up early, you know, a couple of years and one year, uh, you know, when it had gotten so popular, I opened up the tickets five minutes early. And before the actual sale went on, the tickets sold out. And so when it hit noon, you know, people are like, what the heck? They're already sold out. I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I messed up. And so like the internet burned down at that point. People were so mad at me because they got on at noon, you know, to check, to check, to see whether or not it is. And it already sold out because I'd opened them up early. So I never did that again after that. And I apologize to the folks that year that that may have missed it because of it. You know, my, my biggest thing that I hated about that, um, it was selling out. Selling out was like the worst thing for me because that means people couldn't experience DerbyCon. So to be a perfect honest with you, and I never publicly have said this because, um, because I didn't want it to get out of hand, but anybody that messaged me and was like, Hey, I really wanted to get a ticket. I would just give them a ticket like for free. Like I just, I, I, I literally probably handed out. So Aaron, Aaron used to get always mad at me because like, I literally would give out 500 additional tickets every year, just to people, you know, that were going through problems or um, people that, you know, um, really wanted to go to the conference had been there the prior year. I just literally would just give the t- tickets out. So if someone was like, Hey, I couldn't make it. I'd be like, what's your email address. And I would just send them a ticket or I'd see it on Twitter. Like I'm so bummed. I can't make a Derby con. I just sent them a ticket. So, you know, I, n- I never made that public, um, you know, because I didn't want people to be like, hey, man, can I get a DerbyCon ticket? And, and, and it starts to become this problem where I'm sending out a thousand and then I'm sleeping on the couch. Um, but, um, you know, I definitely uh, inflated those numbers quite a bit to help people out. So, <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. Let me ask you this of, of uh, if you go back in time, uh, DerbyCon, what are your, some of your favorite moments at DerbyCon? 
Oh, I have so many. Well, you know, one of my one of my favorite memories is I used to always get Chris Hednagy, um, you know, in his in his talks. And uh, one year, um, I went to go sneak up to Chris, and he had a, a person dressed up as a clown that I didn't realize that was in the corner. And I'm terrified of clowns, like in real life, like that's just one of my my things. <laughs> and um, I see this clown charging me at full force, and I'm literally crapping my pants. Like, like I mean, there was a sheer look of death and terror uh, on my face as as I see this this horrible masked clown coming towards me. Okay, that's not something I thought I'd ever research for malicious life. But it turns out that fear of clowns is a real thing. It even has a name, cholerophobia. And it turns out it's not so rare. According to a 2016 survey, almost 8% of adults say they are afraid of clowns. It's not considered by the medical profession to be a quote-unquote real phobia, like fear of heights, for example, but it can cause real discomfort to the people who have it, like what Dave is describing. Now, you might be asking yourselves, why is Rand talking about fear of clowns in a podcast about cybersecurity? Well, the truth is that I have absolutely no concrete reason to do so, aside from the fact that I find the whole thing fascinating, and since I'm the executive editor of this joint, I can basically do whatever I want. So, did you know that clowns started as court jesters in ancient times, but over time they morphed into tricksters, which is a somewhat more sinister figure, which might be the reason why so many people feel uncomfortable around clowns. Apparently, fear of clowns was a big thing in the 80s in the US. I can't really vouch for that since I grew up in Israel, which is probably why Stephen King's most famous book, It, was such a big hit. Okay, enough with the clowning around. Let's get back to Eliad and Dave. And um, I remember running in the back and... You know, the person that was doing it was Jameson. Jameson, uh, one of my buddies, Jameson uh, is charging at me behind the stage. You can't see this. But then he grabs me and he, he literally looks at my face and he sees that I'm like re- ready to die. Like like my, my face, my eyes are wide. You know, I'm, I'm pale. Like my heart's yeah. about to shut down. And I, he's like, I wouldn't have, nobody, I, I don't think anybody would have imagined you have that big of a phobia. Of I have no idea. My, my mom, for some reason, uh, decided it would be a great idea when I was like six or seven years old to, dre- to uh, dress my room up as an entire clown thing. So I used to like see clowns at night and waking mm-hmm. up. It was, it was, yeah, it was not good. Um, <laughs> and then I saw the movie It and it was just kind of like all over for me. Uh, but but I, I'm, I'm better now since my dad decided to let everybody know I hated clowns. Um, and, and then the security community does what it does and it just pounds you with clowns every single day uh, for the rest <laughs> of your life. You eventually become immune to it. So I I've gotten over my fear. Thank you all for, for the countless hours and days and weeks and months and years of, uh, of sending me clown pictures. But, but the funny part about that was Jameson, uh, you know, he rips his mask off because he, re- he now feels terrible. Like he feels bad because like, I, I really am like not doing good. And he's like, dude, 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 it's just me. It's just Jameson. And he felt so bad that he gave me the clown outfit 
Um, and I put the Khan outfit on. And so Chris is like celebrating victory for Dave. You know, he's able to thwart Dave attacking him in the middle of his presentation. And, uh, and it's me on there and he's like, come here, Jameson. You know, and I'm like, and it's me underneath the, the hood. And I, then I handed him a spear off ice and then I ripped my mask off and I got him still. So that was, a uh, you know, the goofball things like that, the people that you meet, you know, we develop relationships with folks at the Hyatt that, you know, transcended just, you know, being employees, they were friends, you know, um, they loved us at DerbyCon. The Hyatt loved us. Like they, they loved the people there, what we did, you know, you, they, they would come to our parties, you know, they, they thought we were like the greatest, you know, group of, of folks ever that were so kind and willing to help out. And we tipped well, which is always a great thing for folks that are, they're trying to make a living. Um, you know, it was just, you know, but, but, you know, not just that, but the, the people's lives we changed, you know, we helped out with the, uh, the Puerto Rican hurricane. We were able to raise funds and get food and water to, to folks that desperately needed it. I mean, we were actually making a, a difference outside of the conference too. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the stories I love remembering is Matt Graber, manifestation, you know, phenomenal, one of the top security researchers in our industry, you know, Matt was just getting into security and was like, Hey man, you like, like to pick your brain for a few minutes. And, you know, I'd never met Matt before. I didn't know who Matt was. And I was like, of course, you know, let's chat and, you know, spoke to him about how I kind of came through my career, what I'd recommend for him. And, and I'm not saying I had anything to do with this. Matt, Matt has everything to do with what he did. Um, but you know, he took that information, he amplified it, and now he's one of the top security researchers in the industry based on his own motivation and dedication. So, you know, it's just like the the people that you were able to impact and change for the better to give people opportunities that didn't necessarily have them before in the past, and to make a difference outside of the conference. You know, those are memories that I will take you know to my grave and just smile on because it was just you know a, a, an amazing experience. Malicious Life is sponsored by Cyber Reason. There is nothing better than a live simulation, especially when you're fighting cyber attacks that are becoming more and more complex. Defenders are always looking for the critical edge to reverse the attacker's advantage, and it's only through live attack simulations that you can truly see what might provide you that winning edge. Join Cyber Reason's global attack simulations to watch firsthand how attackers use the latest infiltration methods and execute on sophisticated malicious operations, and more importantly, how to end these operations before they happen. Reserve your spot today at cyberreason.com slash attack sim. There, there are conferences in so many cities. Speaking of Haya and, and Louisville, what do you think made Louisville like the town for a conference? It's just, you know, the, the first of all, the, the kind of like the Southern twang atmosphere, I think was, was a cool one. Cause you know, so many good places to eat that were, you know, important, but I think the conference was great. Right. Cause we, we also, on top of just, you know, the speaking and the, the, the hallway cons and all that other stuff that we had, you know, we threw some badass parties. Like, you know, our parties were mm-hmm. second to none in any other conference that anybody's ever been at. And, and we hold that record. Like, there's nobody shattering our record anytime soon on the parties that we threw. You know, the, you know, Martin was like, let's just go big, you know, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. I mean, we had Wu-Ting, we had Vanilla Ice, we had, you know, Sublime, we had Infected Mushroom, Crystal Method, we had, you know, The Offspring, you know, you know, just incredible bands coming to this whole thing that we could throw just for the security, you know, community. And um, it was funny because like all of our budget for the whole conference, we never made any money whatsoever off of Derby Guy. That was never the intention. It was 
to either A, donate it to charity, or B, make the conference even better. And that was literally our mindset uh, with every aspect of the conference. We did this for fun. We didn't do it for money. We didn't do it for anything else other than to help each other out and to make one awesome conference for the community. And 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 so I think that was a big piece of it. But there's also some stats too, like something like like 67% of the US population can make it to Louisville in a you know short time frame. It's like in under 10 hours or under eight hours. So, you know, you could you could get there fairly easy. Um, and it was kind of like a central point for a lot of places, both east, west. So it was just it was just, a, I think, a, a culmination of a lot of things that kind of brought it all together. It's also, you know, somewhat unassuming as a city. Yeah. What are some other parties that that you uh, that are really memorable to you? You know, uh, man, there's so many good ones. I mean, Infected was great because they were, you know, when Infected first played, um, that was kind of like a, a pinnacle for me because Infected Mushroom was such a huge inspiration for um, a lot of the tools that I wrote. Like a lot of my tools, like Artillery, for example, named off of a song from Infected Mushroom. Um, you know, they have been one of my favorite bands, um, you know, growing through the information security industry. I, I've, I've written more code in Infected Mushroom than any other band by far uh, that there is out there. I mean, there's just something about their music that that just resonates with me and, and how they do things. Um you know, uh, at the end of the day, everybody was just just really humble and really cool. And it was really cool to deal with them. Um, you know, no, no horror stories except for Busta Rhymes. I will never listen to a Busta Rhymes uh, uh, album ever again since he stood us up. Um, we, we had we had paid we had paid for him like everything. We had limos. We had jets waiting for him. The jet was waiting at the tarmac for Busta Rhymes to show up. And he decided to go out and party with Exhibit uh, that night because, there, were, you know, of course, the security industry does OSINT on him and figures out that he's partying with Exhibit and doesn't show up for the conf- uh, doesn't show up for his his thing. So we're sitting there literally um, on the phone with everybody. Everybody's just like at an at all time low. You know, everybody's outside calling Busta Rhymes, Busta Rhymes. We're waiting. He's not even not even on, he didn't even get in the jet. You know, um, oh my God. it was it was horrible. And so, you know, I had to go up on stage that year and there was people dressed up in full Busta Rhymes outfits and everything. I felt terrible. I, I would say I would say if Buster Rhymes is listening right now, this is an opportunity for for him to apologize. Maybe maybe uh, call up exhibit. They could both uh, do some do an kind apology. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah was, do an apology video. Yeah. Does it ever become surreal? I mean, are you you're getting to the point where you're 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 getting jets waiting for people, the tarmac, and all that stuff. Does it ever become surreal? At what point? Did this whole thing become so big that you were like, wow, like I've really created something? Yeah, I think I think for me, it, the time for me was DerbyCon probably five or six. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but I, I, I was just going up on stage and it was for one of the bands. I think it was for Infected Mushroom. I remember looking out and it, the whole room is just packed of people, you know, and they're all there for this conference. And, you know, you look out and you're like, we just created something from nothing. This is something special that I haven't been a part of before. Um, and this is something that, that means a lot, you know? And when that happened, I just, you know, I, I actually, if you, if, I don't know if there's any video of it, but I paused and I couldn't even speak for just a few minutes just because I was just so overwhelmed with, you know, emotion, a great, good emotion of, of, you know, these people are here because of something that we built and, and they wouldn't be here if it wasn't for something that we didn't build. And, and that type of stuff, you know, there's so many countless experiences like that with DerbyCon that, you know, knowing that you were a part of something bigger that was doing good for others, you know, that's a big thing for me is, is making the world a better place. 
And when we're able to help other people, you know, the Hackers for Charity, Innocent Lives Foundation, a, a number of other organizations, you know, from a charity perspective, cancer research and everything else, you, you know, Crohn's disease, you know, we, you know, we we really focused on that those aspects of, of Derby kind of trying to help others out. And, you know, it, it, it definitely was a huge experience. I remember, you know, opening ceremonies, you know, uh, when you look out in the crowd and there's just, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. And they're, they're wanting to listen to you. And that's a weird thing for me. Like when I'm on the news, I'm like, listen, I'm just Dave talking to people about security stuff. I'm not, you know, and and people come up to me like, oh my God, you're Dave Kennedy. I'm like, I'm just Dave Kennedy. Like, I'm just a guy that, you know, is, is doing my own thing, just like you're doing your own thing. It doesn't make me any better or special or anything else. We're all here together doing, doing what we can. And just because I've, on the news or something else doesn't make a difference. It, it just means I have different experiences. And so, you know, I think that that level set of, of that and, and everybody came together as one was the most memorable thing that I will always take back with me that I was I was a part of that. You know, we eventually obviously ended Derby County. You know, it's a lot of work to, to, to put into these conferences instead of it being, you know, a fun project on the side. It became our major jobs, you know, to, you know, day in and day out uh, away from family for a week and you know, everything else. And then, you know, you have you know, a lot of other things you have to deal with. And, you know, it just becomes such a large conference to maintain. It's like, you know, we, we looked at it and said, for one, we, we probably can't continue to, to do the amount of effort because it just keeps growing that we're doing. It's, it's a full event and all of us are involved in this, you know, you know, 11 months out of the year uh, of building this, you know, do we hire people to come in and build the conference out, which, you know, we felt would lose the feeling and the vibe of the conference and it's, it, you know, it's original intention or do we just move on, you know, and, and go out on a high note of, of being one of the best conferences that, that that's ever been out there in the security community. And uh, it was a hard decision, but we all decided, you know, listen, it's, it's time to move on. We did our thing. We left our print, you know, now it's up to the community to take that and, and move it forward. And, and it was, you know, hard decision, you know, sad, but one of those ones where, you know, we knew it was the right decision and, and lo and behold, luckily, uh, or not luckily a horrible situation, but, you know, we, we definitely bounced out, I think at the right time because COVID had hit the next year, you know, and a lot of conferences had to cancel and postpone. And, you know, it, it was just a, a difficult time there anyway. And conferences in general are becoming much more difficult to manage and handle. It's just, you know, just the kind of the, I guess, the the noise that we have today uh, in a lot of cases um, in those. So it's just, you know, it was time to move on. And uh, we're happy that we did what we did and, and went on a high note and, um, you know, kind of look back at that and saying, hey, I was part of that. We made that. And it was something special that people will remember for their, for their lives. There's another reason why DerbyCon came to an end that Dave chose not to address directly in the interview, although you might have caught a whiff of it in his last few sentences, the so-called noise he was referring to. That noise is what Dave called, quote, a small yet vocal group of people creating negativity, polarization, and disruption, end quote, in the blog post in which he stated that Debicon 9.0, which was held in 2019, will also be the last one. It's no secret that in the past few years we're witnessing a sort of a culture war being fought, mainly on social media, but also in traditional media and in politics. We have the Me Too movement and Make America Great Again and cancel culture and whatnot. And all these social stresses are naturally seeping into the cybersecurity conference scene as well. And 
causing real headaches to the organizers. Like, what's the right thing to do when a speaker is accused of sexual harassment or when an attendee is expressing some unwelcomed political view? It seems that these headaches were part of the reason why Dave and his co-founders decided to end the conference in 2019. Here's what Dave wrote in the said blog post titled Every Beginning Has an End. Quote, This year, we had to handle issues that honestly, as an adult, we would never expect to have to handle from other adults. Conferences in general have shifted focus to not upsetting individuals and having to police people's beliefs, politics, and feelings. Instead of coming to a conference to learn and share, It's about how loud of a message a person can make about a specific topic, regardless of who they tear down or attempt to destroy. This is not what we signed up for, and each year it becomes increasingly harder for us to handle. End quote. It is, I think, a bit ironic and sad that, That a conference that was built around the ideals of helping the community become more of a welcoming family had to be discontinued partly because of such social tensions. I guess that's just how things are. Well, it was something that had a lot of impact on the community. And I think on maybe maybe on this very very unique note I mean you created something <clears throat> that was very special very family oriented every one of the you know even even down to like the first the, the your favorite talk is about somebody's mother and and the influence that's and whether you noticed or not this is all very very unique and family oriented and and group oriented um, you know so I want to ask you what do you wish you What is your message to the family this the security family moving forward what do you wish for the family what, what would you like to see uh, manifest in the community well I think we already see some of this right um, which is helping one another when when somebody's down uh, and being positive right you know it's it's very easy to let your life you be consumed with negativity you know life is is positive for some it's negative for others some of us have issues some of us don't you know it, it's it's all you know a whole spectrum of things um, I think recognizing that you know we're all human uh, we all need help we all need support uh, and that you know our jobs consume a substantial amount of time for us you know we're in our job 70% of our life and that's an important piece to recognize that you know burnout is a real thing um, and and recognizing that you have a support system of people that will help you and pick you up in the event that you're down and I think that's really the the community aspect that we have in security and I think you know from a derby kind of perspective we we helped out with the, the a lot of the kickstart and, and the start of that feeling and that 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 method um, or that those motives but we just need to keep continuing with that and helping out our, our new generation of folks coming into the industry. I think that's, that's going to be an important piece uh, next. All right. That's a beautiful note to end on. And I want to thank you. Um, you know, before, before I guess, before I end here, is there anything that I, I haven't asked about that you think is, is uh, important to share about DerbyCon or anything else? No, I think, I think the, the, the only thing that I would ever mention is that, 
you know, DerbyCon wasn't us. It was everybody. You know, it was a, a community that, you know, accepted one another, that came together to, you know, to help one another. And that's that's the most beautiful thing about the whole thing is like, we started this from from no idea if it was going to be successful or not, or if there was even a want or need for something like this. I mean, you can go to a conference, you can go listen to presentations, you can walk out and be smarter, but did you walk away better as a person? Um, and that was is ultimately our goal is to be a better person, uh, you know, better than when you first came in uh, to the conference. And and that's what I miss the most. You know, I miss that feeling, right? Um, you know, of 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 having that big impact. Um, but I also know that I'm able to still do that in different capacities. And that's what we should all strive for. Yes, maybe you can't create a derby counter. Maybe you can, by the way, please do. Um, if you need any tips, just let me know. Happy to, to talk to you anytime. Um, but, uh, um, you know, knowing that you can have a big impact uh, on somebody else or new people coming into the industry, be a mentor for somebody, be somebody that will be receptive to one another. Don't be, you know, a person that is standoffish or wants to argue with somebody, work with somebody to figure out, you know, their differences of opinions. I think that all comes into what we are today and, um, you know, the the mission of, of DerbyCon. And I think you hit all the other points, you know, well done, but this is a community effort. It's not an individual. It's not a, a group of individuals. It's, it's all of us working together. Lovely. Thank you so much, Dave. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Oh my God. CK Music.